podcast listeners. This is Mary Peterson with Heartbeat International. I serve as the housing specialist, and I have the joy of speaking with Lauren Mock today. She is the president of Mommy's Haven, um, but then in particular way runs their mentoring program, which we're going to unpack and explore and talk a bit about. Lauren, would you mind just introducing yourself a little bit um, and perhaps sharing a few thoughts about Mommy's Haven? Of course. Yeah, thanks for having me on today, Mary. We were really excited to be part of this. I know Heartbeat has been such a a big influence uh, with Mommy's Haven since the beginning. So uh, I've actually been with Mommy's Haven since 2012 uh, when it was really just a vision, just an idea uh, with our founder, just a dream that God put in her heart and uh, have been, you know, following it ever since then and, you know, really getting it off the ground. So it's it's incredible to see that we finally have a home. We're finally open. We opened uh, back in January this year and have been helping so many people. And, you know, we're just thankful for resources like Heartbeat and, you know, all the affiliations that you guys have that have really, you know, made us and other organizations get off the ground, made it possible, you know, to be helping and impacting more lives. So I've I've worn many hats with the organization. Like you said, I'm the uh, president right now of the board, but I have kind of done a little bit of everything. So as many of you know, when you're starting a nonprofit and you have never ran a nonprofit before, um, there's a lot of things to learn and it's kind of a day-to-day process and, you know, the Lord equips us as we go. So we had a lot of times where we felt very unqualified, but he qualified us every step of the way. So Um, I even told my mentors last night, I said, I, you know, we must be doing okay with our mentor program because uh, Heartbeat has has asked us to do a podcast. So I still feel, you know, unqualified or ill-equipped, you know, but I look to the Lord and know that he, he qualifies us when he calls us to do something. So, yeah, no, it's a joy to have you. Um, Can you share, I think you can have three or four women at a time. You're in the Indiana area. Can you just share a few more details about Mommy's Haven? Yeah. Yeah. So Mommy's Haven is um, in Northwest Indiana. So we're technically in Lowell, Indiana, and we can actually house up to six women at a time, uh, depending on their situation. So if they come in with current children, you know, if they need a one of our bigger bedrooms. And of course, that changes our capacity at that time. But overall, uh, we can serve, you know, up to six women at a time in the house. But then our programs and resources are available to uh, anyone in the community who needs them, you know, that we've identified has a need for our programs and is a good fit. So it's not just available to the residents of the house. It's available to anyone in the community who needs you know, if it's a parenting class we offer or our uh, material donations, whatever it might be across the spectrum, our goal is really to uh, impact the community, not just the, you know, four to six women at a time that are living in the house. So we serve uh, women 18 and over as far as the actual uh, living side of things. So uh, in the state of Indiana, you can't house minors and adults in the same facility. So when we started, we had to kind of pick one side of the fence and really our demographic of the need that we saw was for women 18 and over. So that was the uh, route that we went. So uh, we serve, you know, like I said, the the adults 18 and over. But then if we do have someone who's under the age of 18 who wants to participate in our programs, of course, they can do that because they're not a resident of the house. So that doesn't, you know, break any laws or anything like that. So we've been open since January, but uh, we were actually incorporated back in 2012. So we started helping women in you know, any way we could basically um, since the beginning, but we're very limited, you know, on our resources. But 
now we are fully operational with with one house so far. Oh, very exciting. Congratulations on Welcoming Women. That's a huge, huge milestone. And yeah, yeah, just excited for you guys. I think one thing that's attractive to me is that sometimes um, when we talk about things like trauma-informed care, you know, where we are working with women who have addiction issues or, you know, these type of um, issues, Mm -hmm. um, it tends to be the large, the urban programs, the ones with the really, you know, big staff, that type of thing. And I guess I was really impressed in the conversations that I've had with folks from Mommy's Haven that, you know, that you're a small program, you're not in an urban center, you know, and yet you're thinking really in in a big way about how to serve the women most effectively. And that really drew my attention. Definitely. Yeah. So we we're really in small town USA. Um, Lowell, Indiana is a very small town. It's where I actually grew up, but we are only about an hour outside of Chicago. So we are very close to, of course, a huge uh, city and we don't have, thankfully, uh, the way that we're structured, we don't have limits on geographical limits that we can only serve women from, you know, our county or things like that. So we've had women, you know, from the small town, but we've also had women from, you know, another state or, you know, kind of a bad side of town, you know, closer to a city or things like that. So we don't have those restrictions. So we're not only serving like a niche market, you know, we are available to all those situations, which as many people think they don't happen in small towns, they very much do as much as they do in, in cities. So, but we love our, our location in, you know, a safe part of town, that kind of a thing where a lot of times people don't expect to see something like, you know, a maternity home or things like that. But I think it just makes the community aware of the problems that do exist out there. And and really gets them involved and gets them on board. Yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to kind of explore one aspect of your program. Um, I understand that you've developed a mentoring program that is pretty exciting and um, and has had some, some good traction. Um, so I'm just curious to kind of explore that in depth. I know mentoring is something that comes up and people are, are very excited about, and it's, it's fun to hear a program that really has some good legs underneath it. So could you tell us just a bit about your mentoring program? Definitely. Yeah, so this was uh, really an aspect of Mommy's Haven that was on my heart uh, really early on because I I just know the value of uh, really helping women with that kind of the intangible side of things, you know, of the recognizing their self-worth of you know, letting them have a deep relationship, those kinds of things. So this was something that I had um, really kind of set out to tackle a couple of years ago. And just, I looked at other mentor programs to just kind of see how they operated and um, just kind of, you know, came up with our own that seemed to fit and made some tweaks, of course, along the way since we've been open. But Overall, uh, the program, so our our mission statement is that the uh, Mommy's Haven Mentor Program builds deep relationships to restore moms to the interdependent women God created them to be through the use of goal setting, education, and personal growth. So a few uh, main points of that are to build deep relationships, which is First and foremost, our our mentor's goal is to build a deep, meaningful relationship with their mentee. 
So that's, you know, of course, like I said, first and foremost, and to help restore these moms to uh, what we like to call interdependent women. So we know that it's not good to be, um, or even natural to be 100% independent. Like I don't need anybody. I can do this all on my own. You know, that's not a healthy way to be. But you also don't want to be 100% dependent where you need, you know, um, welfare programs and you need other people in your life and you need this, this and this to get by and you can't kind of figure things out on your own when those resources aren't there. So it's it's really a blend of the two interdependent where we know that, you know, no man is an island. You can't do this thing on your own, but you also don't want to be fully dependent on somebody else. So it's it's a healthy blend of the two where you know you need a community, you know you need, you know, help on things, but you can also um, you're also empowered and equipped to do these things on your own when those resources might not be there. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, no. One of my own little personal soapboxes around the kind of widespread use of self-sufficiency is that kind of that same concept. We aren't meant to be self-sufficient. We're meant to be, you know, right. have deep relationships with people and figure figure life out together. So love the word independent. So very exciting. Thank you. Yeah. So we really... Um, really want the mentors. I mean, it's it's on their very first page in their, uh, their mentor binder that they get. It says the word mentoring means to empower another person by sharing your experiences and resources. So these women come there. I One of the first things I tell them when I'm interviewing somebody to be a mentor is that you're not coming to be a mentor because you have it all figured out or that your life is perfect and, you know, you're coming... You're coming from the top and looking down on these women. No, that is not the culture that we are building here. We're all screwed up in different ways. We all have issues. We all need help. You know, that's why grace is so important and forgiveness and all those things. We really recognize that we need those things. But you empower somebody else by sharing your experiences and resources saying, hey, I've been through tough times too, but here's how I got through them. So our mentors really know that when they get, you know, set with a mentor relationship, that it's not that they're coming in because they know everything or they have all the answers. It's that they're getting on that mentee's level and walking with them through these issues that they're having and, you know, connecting them to appropriate resources or, again, just being a great friend, just building that relationship. Uh, We do have We do have a structure, of course, of what they kind of go over. But like I said, the main goal is to build that deep relationship that so many of these women are are just, you know, starving for. Can we walk through that a little bit in terms of like, what are some of the things that you do? Are there structured activities? Are there, is there curriculum to work through? What, or is it all kind of informal connection? Right. So it's it's really a healthy blend, I would say, of of two of those. So we have structure. I like to call it rigid flexibility. We have structure and we have um, a binder and, you know, these worksheets and things like that to use. But on the same hand, they also know that if what's in the binder is not appropriate for this week that they're meeting with their mentor, that they go with whatever that girl needs for that day. 
Uh, they, like I said, they have a binder that, so the mentees get a binder and the mentors get a binder and they're almost identical. They have almost the same uh, information in them. Of course, some of the mentor things have like, you know, kind of like the teacher's copy, like here's the cheat sheet of, you know, if it's like a goal setting sheet or something like that of how to do different exercises. Um, But really one of our main structures as far as kind of an audio or a foundation of the program is this uh, seminar that we actually purchased through uh, Zig Ziglar. So he was an old, like, you know, motivational type speaker. And he did this seminar called Born to Win. And we purchased it uh, about a year ago. And it's on Audible was where actually I first heard it. I just downloaded the seminar on there and listened to it. And it is just all-encompassing of all kinds of things that people struggle with, self-image, their self-worth, and he covers all these different areas of parenting and, you know, relationships and just so many different areas. So that's really one of the main foundation pieces to kind of get everybody on the same page as far as to get their mind right and what we're listening to, what we're putting in our mind, that kind of a thing. But if the mentor feels that you know, there's something additional that their mentee needs, then they go right ahead and they use it. So one of our girls right now is actually using the book Captivating, and she's just reading through it with her mentor because she had read it before, and she knew that it was a great resource, and it was dealing with some of the issues that she was specifically dealing with. So she also has, you know, that flexibility to use that. I'm not going to say, hey, you need to use exactly what's in the binder, you know, on page seven or whatever, because that might not be specifically applicable to what her mentee needs at that moment. So they do have those binders as reference, and it is things that, you know, keep them on track of how to goal set. Um, So that's one of the main elements in there. There's also a really good element of, the girls writing their story, of the mentees writing their story. So they, it really brings out a lot of these different elements of who am I? Where did I come from? How did I get in this situation? Just give them a chance to really open up to their mentor and kind of dive deeper on some of these issues that they're having. A lot of times they don't even realize, you know, where they came from or why they're having these issues. So it helps get a lot of those things out of there by them writing their story. So that's another crucial element. Uh, But like I said, goal setting is a really big piece to the uh, binder, to the actual like homework side of things for the uh, mentee to be doing kind of in between their weekly sessions. So our mentors only meet with them uh, once a week is the minimum. Now we've had cases where the mom might need something more intensive, almost more like a sponsor for, you know, AA or NA or something like that, where she needs daily communication. So it's really a case-by-case basis. We work together with the house staff and with the mentor to see what do we really need? What does this specific woman need? What's going to suit her best? And it might be just a, you know, once a week meeting with her mentor is getting the job done. But it also might be that she needs daily communication, whether it's just a a quick text of encouragement or, you know, a phone call just to check in along with that once a week meeting. But we feel that out and we recognize that before making that solid commitment with the mentee and the mentor so that they both know kind of what they're getting into, what they're signing up for. Yeah, not to get too far into the weeds, but... 
are the, um, I know some homes are trying to think about how to implement a program. So are the mentors gathering all at the same time? Do they set up appointments with the women with some flexibility? How does that logistically happen? Yeah, so it's really up to the mentors. So like I said, with that rigid flexibility, I give them a lot of freedoms. So I give the mentors a lot of freedom because they've been vetted. They've been trained, they've gone through, you know, all those kinds of things. I know that I can trust them and I know that they've, that they understand the objective of the program. So I also know that they are, you know, smart enough and well-equipped enough to make their own schedule of, I meet my girl every Wednesday night at seven, or, you know, it might work differently for another schedule Uh, for the other girl to meet on Saturdays at two o'clock or every week is different. So I think that's one of the main issues that a lot of programs see. And we initially, when we structured our program on paper, we, that was something that I had was, all right, we'll meet once a week, you know, with all the mentors together and all the mentees together, it'll be on, you know, Tuesday nights at seven o'clock or whatever. Well, then I just thought practically, that's just not going to work. And I think that's where a lot of programs really fall short is that they don't have that, like I said, rigid flexibility of understanding that everybody's schedule is entirely different and everybody is already leading a busy life. So when you throw in this added heavy time commitment thing that is, you know, you can only be a mentor if you can commit to every Tuesday at seven o'clock or whatever it is. Otherwise, you're going to lose a lot of people that would be really great for the program. So our women in the house, of course, have their own schedules. They're working. They have, you know, daycare. They have their own programs that they're doing. They have all kinds of things on their plate that they're responsible for. But then you look at our mentors and they have their own kids, their own, you know, spouses, maybe their own jobs, their kids are in 10 different sports, you know, whatever it might be. And it's just asking a lot to make a set time commitment every week on the same time, same day, you know, that kind of a thing. So we allow them to set those times for themselves. So they just have to report to me once a month, we do a a conference call with our mentors. And they turn in their evaluation sheets to me. And what happens on that evaluation sheet is they show, all right, I met with my mentor the or my mentee these, you know, six times and they keep dates, they keep track of what they, you know, kind of covered when they met. So they're held accountable. And if they turn that evaluation sheet into me and I see you haven't met with your mentor in the last three weeks, what's going on? Well, then that's a separate issue. That's a separate conversation that needs had. But honestly, I haven't had that situation yet. All of our mentors, I think because it is so flexible that they can find time in their schedule to meet at least for one hour with their woman once a week that they can make it work. Is having a mentor an optional part or is it a mandatory part of your program or how does that piece work? Yeah, so if they are a resident, it is a mandatory part of the program to be in the house. Now, if they are just someone who is uh, participating in some of the programs, if they're just a member of the community who, you know, needs XYZ, 
but they aren't residents, then we can see if the mentor program is a need for them, but it's not a requirement to partake in other aspects of the program. But yeah, if they are a resident, we do require it. And then does it continue post-residential time or is it a relationship that focuses primarily on the residential piece? Yeah, so that's really our hope is that these relationships will continue beyond, you know, their stay at Mommy's Haven. That is, of course, the ideal situation that they've built such a deep relationship that this is someone that they will never lose contact with. You know, it's like a like a second mom to them or a sister or a best friend, you know, that they really want to walk the rest of their life with. That's, of course, the hope. We know that that's not always going to be the case. But once they do, once they're no longer residents of the house, then we do say, hey, our role as Mommy's Haven is done with your relationship. This dissolves your, you know, mentor relationship side of things where we are not responsible for these things anymore. It's not a requirement. But if you do, if the mentor and the mentee both, you know, agree to you guys continuing a relationship that is on you, it's just not done under the umbrella of Mommy's Haven anymore. You mentioned vetting the mentors, and I know that's one of the most, you know, crucial elements of thinking about a mentorship program is really trying to train up and help um, mentors to understand, you know, the the approach of the program and, you know, those type of things, some of the issues that come along with working with the women that we serve. So can you talk to us a bit about your vetting process or your training process? Yeah, so we uh, first kind of front lines are, we just have a, an online application. So we have it right on our website and uh, we don't really have like set times of the year that we are taking mentors. Essentially, we try to do them in groups so that we're not training onesie twosie here and there kind of throughout the year. But we like to have a good amount of mentors kind of on reserve even if, so we might have, you know, 10 mentors on the roster, so to speak, but there's only five women who are utilizing them right now. So we like to have more than we need. And then they kind of get called, you know, to be a a mentor when we have a new woman who comes into the program. So uh, we didn't ever want to be scrambling to find a mentor if we had a new mom, you know, come in the house or anything. So they fill out that online application. It's right on our website. So um, for anybody who's listening, they can, you know, just go ahead and kind of see what that asks. It's mainly just kind of general questions. Um, it's, it's right on our website, mommieshaven.org, and it's under our volunteer section under the mentors there. Uh, so you can see that application on there. So they fill that out first. And on there as well, there's um, some PDFs and things like that of, what being a mentor looks like, kind of what the commitment is, you know, just kind of a, what we call a quick fact sheet of, okay, what are you looking for in a mentor? You know, that side of things. And then they fill out the application and then that comes Mm -hmm. to me. So then once I see a new application come in, I contact that woman and let her know that, you know, I would like to set up an interview with her. So then I do a one-on-one interview. So really kind of our first filter is that quick fact sheet you know, kind of laying everything down on the application process. So if they're looking at it, if they, uh, we do have our statement of faith on there is one of the things that we say that we uh, need them to at least agree to. So it's not, it's not strict on, you know, you have to be a member of this church or things like that. But if they agree to our statement of faith, we know that we're on the same spiritual page and the other things we can teach. So if they've read through all of that and they still want to fill out the application, then we know they've kind of passed that first filter of, yes, I 
you know, would like to go forward with this. So I see that application, give them a call, and then I do a one-on-one -on -one interview with them just to really kind of get to know them, you know, ask them some of those similar questions that were on the application, just ask them to dive deeper into some of those things. If they've had past issues or, you know, just kind of seeing, do I think that this person is going to be a good fit for our mentor program on both sides? Do I think that it's going to be a good fit for us and that it's going to be a good fit for her? Because maybe she starts telling me her schedule and I just think there is no way that I can see you committing to even an hour a week to meet with your mentor, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell somebody, hey, I just don't think this is a good fit, you know, for you or for Mommy's Haven. I'll, you know, I'll let them know after that interview process if for some reason I don't think it will be a good fit. Uh, but then after, after that interview, if I feel like it is, you know, a good fit or like it will work, then I also go ahead and call their references. So we ask for references outside of their family, whether it's, you know, coworker, friend, pastor, whoever it might be, you know, just get to know her a little bit better as well to see again if she's going to be a good fit. So they understand, oh, this is a commitment and they're taking this seriously of who they're letting you know, pour into these girls' lives, you know, at the house. It's not just anybody and, um, you know, looking really at kind of the whole picture. So like I say, there's no perfect mentor. There's no one like candidate that we're looking for of, oh, you need to have a perfect background or, you know, you need to have a messed up background or, you know, there's no one answer that's great of who is the perfect mentor. But really, if I can see that you're committed, you have a passion for this, you have a passion for helping women, that you have a desire to build a deep relationship and help somebody in the struggles that they're going through, whether you've been in those struggles or not, then I know it. we can work on all the other stuff. I know that it's going to be okay, you know, that you're going to be a good fit. Would you say that most of your time has been kind of upfront piece in terms of kind of vetting folks, or is there also training requirements that they have to go through? Yeah, so once they are uh, set, once they've made it through those kind of initial front lines, uh, then there is some training that's involved. So once it's like, hey, we think you're going to be a good fit, you're approved essentially as a, a Mommy's Haven mentor, here's what's next. So then we have a couple training processes that really one of the first ones is we use mental health first aid. So there's a, a local regional mental health center that actually provides that for free. They'll come out to you know, to the house, to we've had them do it at a church before, any space that you can really reserve, they've done it for us for free. It is a more intensive uh, training. I believe it's um, from 8 a.m. till about 4 p.m. So it is that itself is a heavy commitment. It's a heavy time commitment for the woman to be going through, you know, that that first aid training uh, process. But they know, okay, this is, you know, it's not ongoing. So once they do that, um, that's really the mental health first aid side of things, because these women are going to be seeing all kinds of different issues. You know, it might be um, abuse or substance abuse or, you know, poverty, or you have no idea what you're going to be seeing with the residents or the mentees that we have. And a lot of times they're just not equipped to deal with those. Most people have not gone through you know, a mental health training. So this really covers all of those bases and just gives them a good foundation of kind of how to, you know, pick up red flags and how to, 
you know, just combat some different things. But we also want the mentors to know, hey, you're not a counselor. Don't feel pressured to give them, you know, the perfect right answer or be dealing if they really do have severe mental health issues. That's not something that the mentor is required to help with because they are not certified counselors. They're not psychiatrists. They're not anything like that. So we we make that very clear as well. Don't be given advice on, you know, these very deep mental health issues if you are not, you know, qualified to do so. So that kind of takes some of the weight off of them as well so that they know, oh, okay, good. I don't have to have all of the, you know, perfect answers for things. I can divert to their counselor, which they do actually see a counselor and, you know, have access to psychiatrists and things like that. So that kind of takes that weight off of their shoulders. We just want them to have a good foundation. So that mental health first aid training is is really important. But then I also do a training with them. um, And I started doing this via webinar because again, schedules are crazy and it's hard to get people all together in one location for, you know, one training for a few hours. So I've started doing it via webinar where that's where I go through the training, going over like house rules, guidelines, how does the Mommy's Haven program actually work? So they're not walking into this thing blind, you know, as far as what the girls' guidelines and rules are. So we cover things, you know, basic things they need to know about how the house works. But then I also go through the actual mentor program guidelines. So they see, okay, what is my job? What do I have to cover with them? That's when we go through the binder, go through all of those, you know, worksheets and things like that to give them an overall idea of what to cover with their mentee. So those are really the two main trainings side of things. But then a side that's not really a training, so to speak, as it is more of just a kind of a mental, getting their mental game right, is we have them listen to that Born to Win seminar. So it, like I said, it's a pretty long seminar. It's about 16 hours, I think, in total. But that just gets their mind right and gets it in the same place as their mentee so that they can understand that material and you know, really give them kind of good suggestions from that material. Yeah, well, it sounds like a really well-developed just training plan and orientation and introduction. So yeah, kudos for putting together such a a well-developed plan. I know from talking to homes, you know, so when, when you read social science research, you know, mentoring is often noted as an effective practice, a best practice. You know, you hear this language about the importance of mentoring. We know that it's part of the resiliency skills is to have role models and mentors in your life. So there's something so attractive about mentoring programs, but I've spoken to so many homes where they just never really take off, right? Where there's never that kind of launching point. Do you have any sense of like, what allowed your program to kind of grow and, and feel like it found its groove? Yeah. Um, so I would say, I would say really <laughs> one of the main things is to have someone who's passionate about it. I, this is not at all to toot my own horn, but it, this wouldn't have taken off if we didn't have someone who was actually devoted to this specific program. Yeah, it's not just the fourth activity exactly. someone has to plan, but it is really the heart of, you know, right. someone's heart to focus and think about. No, that totally makes sense to me. Because it is an intense program. It's not something that you can just pick up a book and, okay, here you go, let's go through this. You know, like some of our, our programs and training classes are, 
where it's just very systematic. It's very, okay, here's how you, you know, where you're teaching certain prenatal classes. It's an educational piece that is a little easier for someone to pick up or for you to transition into someone else to take it over to teach certain things. This is a little more, this is more of the intangibles, you know, so it's a little harder for you to just say, okay, well, here's the manual, just, you know, go through it kind of a thing, especially when you're getting it off the ground. Because now that it is underway, and it's really you know, starting to kind of take on a life of its own because of our amazing mentors who are doing an incredible job. They are able to do their job because someone was behind it, getting it off the ground, doing it with passion, really researching different things, what's going to be best, looking at different, you know, processes, that kind of a thing. I think having a main point person who really, you know, goes after that specifically is very important. That's a a big like missing piece, you know, because it, like we said, our staff gets very bogged down with so many other things that they already have to do that are very important, that are, you know, crucial for these moms. So we can't neglect those other things and have them kind of put those on the back burner and just work on a mentor program. No, you need someone, whether it's a volunteer or you change someone's title, if it's if they're on staff and you think they'd be great for it, whatever it might be, where they really get this going. They really get behind it and, you know, put in the work for a month or two to really just put in the time and effort to get it off the ground and get things going. But then ultimately it's your mentors who make or break it. So having someone who, you know, having all these mentors who are really the front lines of this program, I couldn't, I mean, this program wouldn't be anything without the mentors. It would just be me saying, we should do all of these things that I have in this mentor program that I've created. Well, that's not effective if I don't have also good mentors who are willing to put in the time commitment and willing to go the extra mile. Like one of our mentors the other night was in the hospital with her mentee until 1 a.m. And she has a she has a full family at home, you know, husband, few kids, and just put everything aside because her mentee was having some issues and needed to go to the hospital. And she was there with her till 1 a.m. You know, I can't put that in your requirements as a mentor. That is way beyond what you need to be doing as a mentor. But because they build such a deep relationship, like I said, it's taking on this life of its own. And her mentee told her, she said, you are, I think you're like my best friend right now. She said, you are the one person that I have this deep relationship that I've never experienced before. And our mentor said that was a moment that was very encouraging and kind of surreal to me. Like, wow, I guess I am doing something impactful with her, you know, because you're not always sure if it's getting through or, you know, kind of what's happening. But she said it was also a very like bittersweet kind of sad moment because she realized, wow, This girl has had nobody be this committed to her and nobody have this, you know, deep vetted relationship with her in her life until now. And that's really what our mentors do. So finding people who are truly passionate about it and not just wanting to go through some material in a binder, that's who you're looking for. So that's who gets this 
keeps this program going. So you need someone initially to get it off the ground and structure it because you need structure to, to keep it going. But then you need the mentors to actually implement the program, you know, to actually be on the front line with these women in need. Oh, I can hear your passion as you speak, Lauren. So I have no doubt that your passion is definitely driving and has given life to this this exciting program. We're about at time, but I would love to kind of close with any lessons learned or advice as, as homes are trying to implement their own mentoring programs, kind of anything that jumps out to you in terms of a lesson learned. Um, I would say a couple things like the, like I had said earlier, the rigid flexibility is a huge you know, element to things. Be willing to be flexible because you have to remember all of our mentors are volunteers. <laughs> they do not get paid for anything they do, but they go above and beyond. And it is a big time commitment for them. It's just a big, it's taxing, you know, it's emotionally draining. So be okay with being flexible. Like I said, we, we do conference calls with them now. When I started, I thought, oh, we'll do meetings, you know, once a once a month and everybody will get together and it'll be great. Well, that just wasn't working. So instead I changed it to a conference call and they're all able to get on. So be okay with being flexible. Don't mistake, you know, somebody being inconvenienced by something for a lack of commitment. So our women, they're committed to this. It's just sometimes they couldn't make the actual meeting, but they can get on a conference call for, you know, 45 minutes or something. So I'd say that is definitely a big piece. And then another thing we were talking about on our conference call last night was how incredible it is that these women are, you know, they're getting to mentor them, but they're also getting to witness to them. So they're getting to talk to them about the Lord. And it's in a very non-threatening, non-intimidating way that unfortunately, a lot of times you just don't get in a church setting. So I know a lot of times with us being Christian-ran homes and things like that, we want to immediately go to a, like a Bible study or Bible-based program and things like that, which I am 100% for. We very, like I said, we have our statement of faith. We have our women talk about the Lord, and it's very much an element of our program, 100%. We are not shy with our women that we are Christian. We will pray with them. We will ask them for prayer needs, those kinds of things. But I think it's very intimidating to somebody who you don't know what baggage they're carrying. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what experience they've had with church or with, you know, religion or things like that. You don't know what they're carrying. So a lot of times when we set mentor programs up, I've seen them be more of a Bible study than it is a mentor program. And I think that it makes people put up walls. It just kind of makes them shut down, unfortunately, a lot of times because they think, oh, well, the Bible, I you know, I don't know anything about that, or, oh, I had a bad experience with that, or what, like I said, whatever baggage they're carrying, we don't know. Like, one of our moms has been opening up to her mentor very openly, very just, you know, with these wide eyes like a child of asking her things about the Lord and asking her things about grace and, you know, her Savior and all these things. She just has so many questions and she's been to church multiple times uh, with some different people in the community, and she never had any of those questions in the church setting. But she is opening up to her mentor like she never would have, you know, because she's able to ask her friend who she knows, knows the Lord and, you know, has a relationship with the Lord. Well, let me ask her why, you know, what this is or what this means or how do I pray or, you know, those types of questions that you feel silly asking in a church. And a lot of times people just won't get them off of their chest 
And they'll run around with this baggage then for the rest of their life because they never got it out in, you know, kind of an open setting. So I think that's something you have to be very careful of to know or to let your mentors know or your mentees know that, yes, this is a Christian program. If, you know, if it is a Christian mentor program that you're running, let them know that, hey, I'm going to be open with you about the Lord and my experience and those kinds of things. But I'm also not going to shove it down your throat because that is not the way to minister to people that's not going to get those doors open and those walls to come down. So I think that's one of the biggest things that we've learned that we've seen has been really effective with this program because they're able to open up in a way that they never would have before because they're just sitting there with their best friend, not with a pastor or something where they feel like they're judged, even though they're not necessarily. But that's their perception. And to them, you know, perception is reality. So if we can break that down and build that relationship first, then we can talk to them about the Lord and pray with them and, you know, hopefully get salvation for them. I was just in another conversation and about we were talking about the balance of structure and nurture. And I feel like uh, mentoring is a specific way in which that plays out, right? Mm -hmm. You need all the structure related to training and vetting and, you know, being able to oversee and making sure that the mentoring aspect doesn't kind of take off from the program, but but really flows from the heart of the program. Um, So all those structured pieces, but then the nurturing piece, which you can tell you're just really committed to and passionate about and how to build that in-depth relationship. So yeah, thank you for sharing with us a bit about how you found both that structured piece as well as the nurturing piece. Unfortunately, we are up against time. So if folks wanted to follow up or learn more about um, Mommy's Haven, is there Mm -hmm. a website or what's the best way for them to make contact? Yeah, so they can find us on Facebook. So Mommy's Haven, M-O-M-M-Y apostrophe S and then Haven, H-A-V-E-N. So they can follow us on Facebook. But then our website is mommyshaven.org. So it's M-O-M-M-Y-S-H-A-V-E-N.org. And like I said, our, our mentoring, you know, application, that kind of thing is right on the website there. But if anybody has any, you know, specific questions, that kind of thing, I am more than happy to help because we wouldn't be where we are right now if I didn't have help from other people. So I am happy to answer any questions and help in any way I can. So my email is actually Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, at mommyshaven.org. Oh, that's awesome, Lauren. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for being generous to share your time with us today in the podcast and for that ongoing uh, possibility to connect and build up the housing community outside of the podcast. Definitely grateful for that. I just really pray blessings and goodness upon your program. It sounds very exciting and just that the Lord may use it to really um, impact the lives of these women. So it sounds, sounds like so much good is in place. So thank you for sharing and thank you for taking the time with us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pregnancy Help Podcast. To subscribe to future episodes, access resources related to today's session, or listen to previous episodes, visit www.heartbeatinternational.org podcast. Thanks for tuning in.